With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Warriors Off-Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, host of the popular Locked On Warriors podcast. During our conversation, we took stock of how Golden State is handling its training camp to-do list. Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Just to set the scene here a little bit, we are in Sacramento at an undisclosed hotel near Golden One Center. We honestly... Wow, you kind of just blew it there. <laughs> There's only like two hotels near Golden One Center. Uh, we'll probably be, we'll, we'll be out of the hotel by the time this goes live, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in case we have some stalkers out there. But um, to be honest with, with everyone listening to this, uh, we don't need to be here at all. Uh, we are here because we we missed the travel life a little bit. I think we yeah. really enjoyed traveling. To, uh, to be honest, we did travel together. It was pretty much every flight we were together. We were at the same hotels. We are good friends in case new listeners are not aware of that. We're good right. friends. And I think we missed that, um, knowing that we're not going to be able to travel much this season. So I believe we were the only reporters from the Warriors contingent who who came up to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And we're going to stay. I'm going to stay here three nights uh, just to just to kind of reminisce on the, the travel days. So you're really just letting your stalkers know that you're at one of the two hotels near the Golden One Center, and you'll be here for three nights. This is good. Yes. Yes. Uh, what room? What, what kind of what athlete? Pair are we? Because there we are direct competitors, but we're also good friends. There, there's. I feel like there's so many NBA tandems like that are like that. Well, know? the fun thing about the NBA is if you talk to most players, who's your best friend in the NBA? It's always they're not going to name someone on their team. Always somebody on their team. I mean, LeBron and Carmelo Anthony are best friends. They never play together. Yeah, and and I, as we know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie were best friends. Now and then they became, you know, they became. Uh, teammates teammates so, and and Steph actually if you'd asked me that a year ago who's Steph's best friend is in the league I probably would have said Kim Bazemore yeah now they're teammates so yeah it's um, funny how that works out yeah me I don't know I guess I guess because this is your podcast you would be Steph Curry and I would be Ken Bazemore you would be <laughs> LeBron James and I would be Carmelo Anthony I have been around a little longer I'm not saying that I'm a Steph Curry caliber journalist but you know I wouldn't say that either. It, <laughs> um, so we're 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 talking to you guys fresh off the the second preseason game. Um, we're not going to talk too much about that. We're we're less than a week now away from the regular season opener. And one thing I wrote a couple days before the start of training camp was just basically, and I think we all did this to some degree, was basically just a a to do list for for Steve Kerr entering training camp and let's be honest a to-do list in entering tra- training camp is really a to-do list for the season right right and so i thought it'd be interesting to go through this list and take stock of right now a week out from the season opener where the warriors are in that category um so just jumping right into it the first one and i think it's funny because i wrote this the day before some news broke 
stay as healthy as possible. Um, so when I wrote this, obviously Clay Thompson had already torn his Achilles, so that was that was that situation. But uh, a couple days later, a day or two later, uh, we learned that two players, undisclosed names, uh, had tested positive for the coronavirus. We learned about a week later that those players were James Wiseman and Draymond Green. Um, they returned to practice yesterday, and they w- are kind of easing into a full workload. Um, they they probably will not play in the final preseason game, but I think it's there's a decent chance they'll play in the season opener. Um, there's a 100% chance Draymond is going to play in the season opener. That's not reporting. That's just like a really, really good guess that – He's not missing this game against Kevin Durant. Right? I mean, there's no, no way. No. There's hey, no freaking way. No. Okay. So we're agreed on that. James Wiseman, that'll be a little bit more interesting. Do you want to throw him into the fire against Brooklyn? Do you want to throw him into the fire against the fall in the following game against Milwaukee? I think you gotta get him some minutes early no matter what. I think I think you give him like ten to fifteen minutes. Maybe not when K D and, and Kyrie are on the floor, right? But uh yeah, and in some second unit stuff whatever uh, in those kind of dead minutes in the in the middle of the second and third quarters but um i i i was thinking about this while watching that game against the kings and, and, and granted you know Draymond Green and Eric Pascal weren't playing so we're losing a lot of depth there's a two core rotation guys right but if they lose even one of these guys to a real serious injury uh this team's in trouble I, th- I don't know that they can sustain that, man. Because even without, like, let's let's hypothetically assume, j- just say that Draymond Green was injured for these games. Right. This is not a great team. The way it is, I know they beat Denver, but I wasn't that impressed with the way their starters it's played their starters. And I, I, I've not just, been, I've not been impressed with the starting group. And Draymond Green is going to play a really important factor on this team, just from an organizational standpoint Hopefully. on offense and on defense. Yeah. And and by the way, with Draymond. The box score is not going to matter with him. I, I, I find it – I don't think he's going to average double-digit points, and I don't think that's how we should judge a season. If he just goes out and averages 8-8-8, eight, eight, and eight, that'll be fine. But he needs to organize both ends. That's actually really impressive. It would be really good. He just needs to organize both ends of the floor. But even if they if they miss, like, a Andrew Wiggins or a Kelly Oubre, who have been, you know, up and down in these two preseason games. I think you're putting a lot of stock in these two preseason games. It's It's two preseason games. Where's the depth on this team? If you lose one of those guys, it's going to be really detrimental. Who's the sixth man on this team? I don't know. I think that's a process that they're trying to. I think right now it would be Pascal. Uh, I think if everybody hit their ceilings, it would be Kent Bazemore. Uh, And there's a good chance that it's neither of them. I mean, there's a chance that it's just the best shooter. Maybe it's Brad Wanamaker. Maybe it's. Somebody else. The bench emerges. is better than it was last season, which isn't saying a lot. Um, it's better than it was last season because last season the bench was the starters. <laughs> okay. And this year the bench is the bench. Yeah. But even before Steph got injured and, and there were all those injuries, Pascal, as the forty first pick in the draft, was like legitimately their sixth man and he hadn't even he hadn't even proven anything um and that's always been my biggest question honestly one of my biggest questions at least for this team is how many guys do you feel comfortable playing in the playoffs and for the the name i always bring up is damian lee like right for for this team to do anything you need to feel comfortable playing damian lee yeah that full minutes in the playoffs which i personally am not 
that's if sort I'm of Steve Kerr. No, you're right. That's sort of the lean, the line of demarcation on this roster, right? Because you've got the starting five, and then after that, you've got Kent Bazemore and Brad Wanamaker, and probably Eric Paschal, and then right after that, you've got Damian Lee. And so you've got eight guys probably that you feel comfortable. I feel comfortable with Pascal in the playoffs, sort of. Like offensively, offensively, offensively if you can he's come not in and on get the you the same a, floor as Draymond Green. Right? No, offensively you can come in when Draymond's off the court and get you a bucket. Defensively, there's some some he needs to make some strides there for sure. Uh, so I think right there, Eric Pascal, Damian Lee, that's sort of where you start having question marks. Like to me, Eric Pascal can play in the first round of the playoffs. Maybe the second round of the playoffs, depending on the opponent, but maybe not the conference finals. And that's what we're talking about. How many guys, when you talk about the playoffs, what we're really talking about is is those next few, because it, it's different for each round, right? right? And the conference finals, I don't even know if I really trust Brad Wanamaker. I don't know if I super trust Kent Bazemore. Yeah. I don't know how many of these centers I really trust outside of Kevon Looney, because we only because we've seen Looney do it. And that's really just against the Rockets, and that was a really right. good matchup for him. Four guys? I mean, I don't even like Wiggins, Ubre. I don't know. I, I have no idea what to make of those guys in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, neither of them have played many playoff games. I believe between the two of them, they've played like fourteen total playoff games. And and so that that's sort of what we're talking about with this season, right? That's that's why making the playoffs is so freaking important for this team because next year when Clay is hopefully back. And they're back as a real title contender in the West, which I think they would be with Clay. And, you know, maybe they re-sign Kelly Oubre or not. Doesn't, you know, whatever. If Oubre's back on the team, we can, they, these guys need some sort of playoff experience right now so that they can carry that over to next year when, when the Warriors are, like, really in the mix for stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like, I actually think it's good that we took the health question and, and expanded it into the depth because they're they're interrelated. Um, we're seeing how precarious this whole situation is. I mean, uh, you know, Clay Thompson, I think everyone knew before his injury, before last season, that he was an incredibly important part of this team. But Mm -hmm. if you had any doubts about how important he was, you should understand now, as a guy who one injury is out for the season, their ceiling went from at best, maybe legitimately contending for a title for to, sure. to yeah. now, I think personally, best case scenario, best case scenario, fourth seed in the West, best case scenario, everything goes right. I think that's a really good ceiling, fourth seed in the West. I look, I, but I, yeah, it, that's the only factor, the only difference there is the absence of Clay Thompson. Um, and Clay Thompson to me is easily the second most important person in this franchise i think he's well more important way more important than draymond green at least at this point in their careers he is an all defensive team caliber defender and by the way he's the second best shooter of all time and perhaps most importantly he is the perfect personality for the ethos in the makeup of this roster you can't underestimate how important that is and um do you miss just watching clay thompson because i really do i miss just being around him to be honest with you i mean i'll i'll be honest on the podcast i i'm not a fan of the team but you get to know these guys you 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 can't help but like some of them as just on a personal level he is my favorite player on the team who's your least favorite player on the team you know, I'm just kidding. You know, they answer that. Honestly, but, I will be honest. Like, there isn't anyone there on really this team isn't. who's like a dick. 
We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Getting into our second item on the to-do list, get Steph Curry acclimated to his new supporting cast. Now, I think it's important for people to understand, if they didn't already realize this, that Steph has only played significant minutes with two, maybe three players on this team who are available. Draymond Green. uh, Kent Bazemore, if you count the fact that he played a year and a half in bench minutes back in the day so that's kind of like questionable and then obviously Kevon Looney so I I find that so interesting that you kind of you, you say it that way two maybe three it's definitely two it's not even three uh I don't count Ken Bazemore's time it was it, it was before Steve Kerr was here it was before anything yeah I mean it was a totally sub- different system it's yeah, I and when I asked I actually asked Ken Bazemore about this the other day and and he I, I said does does that help having have played with Steph even early in your careers. And his answer to me was, well, I watched the Warriors a lot on TV over the last few years. Yeah. And, and that I, honestly is probably way more helpful. It was much more informative than what he did then, but that's, that doesn't count, bro. Yeah. Like it, it Michael just, Mulder watched a lot of Warriors too, but I did. I, did I don't too. know. I, 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 would, I couldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do on the floor, even no, though I watched it's, every it's game really for the past I, four years. I, this is what I say about Steph. And I come on your podcast and I say something stupid or polarizing every time. And, and this is, and just roll the red carpet out for me here. Uh, Steph Curry makes the game easier for everybody he plays with. We know this with the space, but he's not easy to play with. Interesting statement. What do you mean by that? If you've ever played like pickup basketball and, and there's somebody sort of kind of going rover, just sort of independently doing his thing. Uh, it's hard to play with that person. There's a natural geometry to the game. There's a natural rhythm to the game, right? And and we know this about Steph. He breaks the geometry. He And this is why he's so great offensively, because he's impossible to predict. You don't know what he's going to do, because he doesn't know. He just reacts to the defense in a way that I've never seen anybody react. He just, he, he's got such a feel for it. And he's so magical the way he does it. Uh, but it's really hard to play with. He's not easy to play with. And that's why the chemistry is so important with guys like Draymond Green and Clay Thompson and in the past, Sean Livingston, Andre Godala, David, like this, this, these high IQ basketball players who have just been around so long. And, the, and these guys on the Warriors have never played with a person like Steph, not just in their NBA career, but probably ever since they've been playing since they were like seven, you know? And, and when you don't know where Steph is going to be, Right, because there's a natural. Hey, this guy's over here. I'm going to set a screen here. Well, now Steph is just fl- flying around the arc. He's gone from the left bit, the left corner, and he's coming around up to the to above the break on the left side, and he's going to go to the wing on the right side for no real reason that anybody other than Steph understands. And by the way, Steph is right, but you got to get out of his way. And right now in these two preseason games, a lot of guys just seem in his way, 
And there's a reason why I think Steph has gravitated toward Kevon Looney in these sets is because Kevon has played with Steph. He's one of the two guys that has. And he knows where to set screens. He knows the rhythms that Steph plays with. And so, again, I'll say this. Steph Curry makes the game easier for everybody. But you got to get to the, sort of that magic point. He's hard to play with. And it's not a bad thing. He's not hard to play with in the way that, you know, ball, you know, like, like a Russell Westbrook is hard to play with. It's not the same. But he is. And so I feel like I'm going to get a lot of Twitter mentions off of this podcast. But I, I think No, I honestly, I found that really interesting. I, I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I actually agree with what you're saying. But I will say that I never had thought about that until right now. So that's why you're good at podcasting. Well, it's... <laughs> Look, the only reason I came up with this is because I feel like I'm a version of Steph Curry in that when <laughs> I play pickup. In that, uh, but I have a lot. You play basketball? What? I, I play pickup. Well, I used to, like when we were allowed to. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a membership to Twenty Four Hour Fitness, and I would go and play. And but but Steph kind of he throws people off the rhythms because he knows what he wants to do, and he's so great at what he does that he makes everybody kind of react to what he does where I had no idea what I was doing and I was just getting in everybody's way. And so similarly, I was disrupting the national natural rhythm of the game. And when I was doing that, I was like, Oh, this is what Steph must feel like when he's playing with a bunch of noobs. What you're hitting on is why that 72, 72 win team was so amazing. I don't think that roster just talent wise was as talented as some other NBA rosters that have not achieved near that greatness, but they were so great because they just understood each other so well. They they were the flow, the pacing. It was just beautiful. It was gorgeous. They understood each other well and nobody else in the league understood what was going on. And there was some, there was really, it felt like there was a revelation happening when Steph Curry was coming on those from 2015 to 2017. It was just like, it took about two or three years for people to really figure out. And by the way, I don't think anybody's figured out stuff, but they have a better, like if you go back to those games, yeah. they had no idea what to do with this guy. He was shooting it from 33 feet out. You had no idea when he was going to shoot it or where from. Like they had no idea. They'd never seen anything like this. It's impossible. And so uh, we've gotten a better, better grasp of what it is that Steph does. But again, for a bunch of guys who are basically 25 years old to have to play with Steph Curry right now, it could be difficult. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I especially at this stage of the season. I mean, five practices in and I do think ultimately it's a benefit, but it, it's a there's a learning curve. There's a steeper learning curve for sure. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's definitely a benefit to play with Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah. Everybody would rather there, again, please don't come after I know, me. I know I know you used to to write for fan sided and nylon calculus, which yeah. is which I believe is associated them, yeah. uh did a great piece a couple years ago analyzing the fact that Steph improves shooters per, his teammates percentages better than any other player in the league just simply by being on the court. Yeah. And it explained why that was and I thought that was really interesting. I mean, yeah, just his friend, gravitational pull is incredible. Our friend Will Gottlieb who used to work at Bleacher Report, I don't think he's there anymore. He, he works for an app now. Yeah. He works for a uh, Foot Locker. No, Locker Room app. Yeah. Uh but uh he wrote a story that got some traction about how Steph is the best player in the league because of what he does off the ball and how it's so different. And I wouldn't go so far as to go, uh, as saying that Steph is the best player in the league, but um, it is so unique. He was a couple of years ago. I think it, I think a couple of years ago, you, there was a real argument to be made between him and LeBron. I, I don't think it was very 
close between those two guys and everybody else. And when I say a couple years ago, it, it, it's further than that because Kevin Durant was right up there too. To me, the only reason like why 2016. To me, the only reason he's not there anymore is not it's not really his fault. It's it's been health and it's also been who's been around him. I still think he's like at that level physically when he's healthy. I think he he I don't think he's your average thirty two year old in that in that sense. I, I talking to his trainers, talking to Bruce Frazier, who knows him as well as anyone. He is physically as good as as he's ever been. Yeah. It's just. There's other factors at play. Basketball is a deep sport after all. Um, the next the next item on our to-do list, identify perimeter stopper. Identify perimeter stoppers. Now, the there's been an in, enormous void on the Warriors defensively since Andre Iguodala was traded to Memphis. And that void got even much larger once Klay Thompson missed last season and now this season. Um, they don't have a great perimeter defender. Obviously, Draymond Green, we know what he's capable of, but he's going to be kind of busy dealing with big men, and, and he can help out from time to time along the perimeter. But when you're talking about matching up with the best scorers in the league, and let's be honest, the vast majority of the best scorers in the league are wings. You know, We're talking about the James Hardens. We're talking about the Bradley Beals. We're talking about that type of guy. There's just – there isn't anyone on this team that at least – based off their track record, is capable of locking down that type of guy. They need it to be Andrew Wiggins. Point blank. And, and, and that and, to me is that, that what you just said is is the biggest reason why I'm not confident this team is going to do much of anything. Like yeah, and by no, much know, of anything I, I mean more I than like a seven eight seed. I know. They need they but they they do they need it to be Andrew Wiggins. And I guess Kelly Oubre to a certain extent, but uh, Wiggins is the the bigger not not that he's taller or anything, but he's just he is physically larger uh, and stronger than Uber. And especially after his offseason, yeah, where he lifted weights and <laughs> like him and the other yeah you know four hundred twenty nine players in the league or whatever it is. Um, to me, kind of this is how I look at this defense. Without I, I think Draymond Green is the middle linebacker who organizes everything and points people in the right direction. Andrew Wiggins is at best your lockdown corner. Put him on a guy, do your best, lock him down. And then Kelly Oubre is sort of a free safety, right? Where he's going to be a little bit more disruptor. Sometimes he's going to pick up the guy full court, like we saw him do with Jamal Murray in the season opener. He's going to, you know, put his long limbs into passing lanes and get deflections and create turnovers and all those things. As a one on one defender, he's gotten better throughout his career. I've read a lot of articles saying that he's a great one-on-one defender. I wouldn't go so far as to say that he's a great one-on-one defender. But he's got this ability to to create havoc that reminds me of a, a sort of a, a great free safety. And so those are your positions. They're, they're Right now, they're without their middle linebacker. They're without Draymond. So it's really hard to see what this defense is going to do. But uh, as far as perimeter stoppers go, again, it has to be Andrew Wiggins. Because if it's not, I don't know who it is. I, I don't know that you can ask Kelly Oubre to do that. Who's guarding Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James? It's yeah, gonna be, and, and it's Bazemore gonna be maybe when he's on the floor, but... No, like, exactly. When he's on the floor. And, and when he's on the floor, guys like LeBron and Kawhi probably won't be. You know? Yeah. And so when, 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 the, when the ball's tipped, 
when they're playing the Lakers or the Clippers, it's going to be Wiggins guarding Kawhi. It's going to be Wiggins guarding LeBron. We know this. And yeah, so, uh, and that's another trickle down effect that that hurts the Warriors. Yeah, from the Clay Thompson thing. The Clay Thompson, and I'm not I'm not just talking about defensively, but with Clay Thompson not being out there, Andre or Andrew Wiggins has a, a bigger burden to shoulder offensively. And I think part of the reason why he was so mediocre, and I mean I'm saying that generously, um, he was downright bad at times defensively with Minnesota was because he was kind of their go-to guy offensively for a lot of his tenure there. And honestly, it's like anything in life, man. It's, it's hard to be good at multiple things. Like we were actually having this conversation in the car on the way up here. Like, you know, I'm to your pick and roll defense. I'm, you know, my, I'm, I consider myself like a storyteller. I'm, you know, the guy who's trying to get at the human element on the beat and, and trying to, do enterprise and all that. And I put a lot of time and energy into developing that craft and trying to be great at that. And you're really good at podcasting and you're, you are a good writer too, but it's like, and, and you look at someone like Slater, Anthony Slater is really good at analysis. Um, but you know, he's not trying to be like that storyteller. I'm not trying to be that analysis guy. Mm-hmm. And it's partly because you can't be great at all of them. Right. Like we're human beings. Like right. you, you got to pick a lane and do it. But basketball players, they're trying to be great at all of it. And it's hard. They're trying to be great at all of it because they're asked to be great at all of it. And the standards are so high. And you're right. Uh, Wiggins was really content, I think, to slide into that third, maybe fourth even scoring role. And uh, without Clay being there, he's it, it's it's telling to me that without Draymond in these first two preseason games, and obviously without Clay, that Andrew a lot of offenses run through Andrew Wiggins. And I do think that Steve Kerr kind of found something to starting that third quarter against Sacramento um, with another ball handle on the floor. So basically say, Wiggins, you don't have to do it anymore. Steph, we need you roaming off the ball because that's where you're most effective. So he brought in Brad Wanamaker later in that third quarter. He brought in Nico Mannion. And the Warriors had their best quarter offensively of the preseason, and it wasn't close. So there is that need for another ball under. I do wonder how much having Draymond back is going to sort of help all of that stuff. I just, I really feel like we haven't even seen what this Warriors team is without Draymond Green, who right now is their second most important player. Yeah, and I, I, I yeah, for sure, it's that's his most important job this season is get the most out of guys defensively like Kelly Oubre and mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins. Um, the next item on our to-do list is ratchet up the tempo. Um, I had this as an item because the biggest advantage this roster has on other teams in the league is their ability to get out in transition and, and on fast breaks. Um, you look at guys like Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, their best skill is that they're freakishly athletic and they are freakishly fast. And they're really strong and and long. And they can kill you once they get out in a foot race. And I, I'll even throw James Wiseman in there for, for his position. Um, James Wiseman's already the fastest center in the league. I don't think that's hyperbole. Yeah. And, and Kent Bazemore um, as, as a bench guy. Uh, the Almost all of their adi- additions are really good at getting out in transition. I'll even throw Brad Wanamaker in, into that discussion. Um, and so I feel like for this team to be at their best, 
they need to lead, lead the league in pace. Um, they need to be better than what Toronto did last season. Toronto led the league in pace. Um, this is a team that before Kevin Durant joined Golden State, they were near the top of the league in pace. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't think they were number one, but they were near the top. Kevin Durant joins. They they get back more toward the middle of the pack um, just because we know how Kevin Durant, he's a little bit of a ball stopper at times, um, which is a good. He's allowed to be. He's allowed to be, and it's a good concession to make for someone like Kevin Durant. But, uh, you know, then he leaves, and last season they were the worst team in the league, so we don't even count that. But this is a team that is okay three-point shooting. They're okay defensively. They're okay at everything else. The one thing they're truly great at is getting out in transition, at least in theory. I think every coach goes into every season saying, what can we be the best the league at? And I think that's why you hear Steve Kerr so often talk about pace. I kind of said something earlier about like Andrew Wiggins. Hey, he lifted weights just like the other 449 players in the league. And I say this all the, all the time about Eric Paschal. Eric Paschal's worked on his three-point shot all offseason just like the other 449 players in the league did. Well, Steve Kerr kind of sounds like a new coach to a team. And and it's not a bad thing, but he kind of says, we're going we're gonna to play a lot faster. We're going to lead the league in pace. The difference between and every new coach will always say that. Every new coach takes over and it's like, well, we're going to play faster. The difference between Steve Kerr and new coaches is that Steve Kerr is not a new coach. And he knows what it, I think, takes to play faster. Right? He knows what needs to be different about this group of players. Um, I think that this team needs to be at the top of the league in pace. I think you're absolutely right. I don't know that they can really be at the top of the league in anything else. And I think this team is well-suited to be at the top of the league in pace. We talk about offense all the time with pace, right? Uh, you want to have a shot up in the first six seconds. That's kind of the idea. This, the, the seven seconds or less type Suns kind of created this idea. But I think the first six seconds of defense are going to be just as important for this team. This team is going to win in the first six seconds of the shot clock on both sides of the court. Because this is not a team defensively that's going to get stops based on the shot clock. They're not going to be able to defend for 24 seconds at a time. They're just not at that level. And so they're going to have to get turnovers. They're going to have to create deflections early in the shot clock. In, In that first or second action from the offense, they're going to have to disrupt it to the point where they get the ball. Uh, or force a shot and have a guy like Looney or Chris or Wiseman get the defensive rebound, uh, that's going to be the way that they succeed defensively. Uh, it's going to be in the first six seconds. And on offense, they're going to have to get good shots early in the shot clock too. So next on our to-do list, figure out the center rotation. Um, now, a wrench was kind of thrown into this discussion after I wrote this, which is obviously, as we talked about earlier, James Wiseman missed the majority of training camp to this point with the positive coronavirus test. Uh, He joined practice yesterday. Uh, It's looking like he's on track to potentially get back by this, by the season opener next week against Brooklyn. Um, So assuming that he's in the mix, how would you evaluate the center rotation right now? I already mapped it out. Um, So it's going to be (laughs) Kevon Looney starts at first, which makes sense. Look, if you're, We've heard this from the Warriors several times. We want to be a top 10 defense. We want to be a top 10 defense. All right, great. So start your best defensive center. That's Kevon Looney. All right. That makes sense. So you have Kevon Looney starts. He's going to play a lot with Steph and Draymond. 
And then Marquise Chris is going to come in when Steph and Draymond leave. And Marquise Chris is going to play with Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre. That's going to be that trio that anchors that second unit along with Kent Bazemore and Brad Wanamaker. And they're going to play really fast. So we kind of see this or the rotations being mapped out, right? And then, but you want to get Wiseman as many minutes with Steph and Draymond as possible because that's the future, right? Ostensibly. So uh, I, I think you'll see Wiseman come back in after Chris goes out and Steph and Draymond come back in, right? For Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins. So, because this, this team is going to sort of, Steve Kerr and Mike Brown, who handles a lot of these rotation responsibilities, they, they, they have a pattern. Their top four guys get get paired off and staggered. So in the past, it was Steph and Draymond, and it was uh, Clay and Kevin Durant, and kind of mix and matching those groups. But they always had two of those four on the group at all time, on the floor at all times. They're going to do the same thing, except now instead of Clay and Durant, the top four players are Steph, Draymond, Kelly Oubre, and Drew Wiggins. A little bit of a downgrade, but they're going to keep two of those four guys on the court as much as possible. So you'll have Wiggins and Oubre and Marquise Chris playing a fast tempo, uh, second unit type of of style, and then when Steph and Draymond come back in, Wiseman will play a few minutes with them until Kevon Looney comes back in. So that's the rotation. I forgot what your question was, but that <laughs> no, was I it. literally asked to figure out the center rotation. Well, then I figured it out. Wow, thanks, man. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> at what point in the season, in your mind, will will James Wiseman be the starting center, if, if at all? Man, I know it's only been two preseason games, and I know I just said we can't really judge anything until Draymond's on the floor, but based upon what I've seen in these first two games, they are so soft in the paint near the rim, man. They give up almost 60 points in the paint to Denver, and in that, I know they ended up outscoring Sacramento in the paint in that second preseason game, but I don't care. Because after the first half, yeah. they were outscored like I think it was twenty six or twenty eight to four. I think it was twenty six to four in the paint. Yeah, not good. Not good. Uh, all all that considered, I think I think we might see Wiseman pretty early if they can't if Draymond is not enough to fix this thing. I think we could see Wiseman pretty early. But again, it depends on what it looks like with Draymond. I mean, I unfortunately we're not allowed to be at practice given given everything that's going on, but. We saw some some good video from practice yesterday from the Warriors, and it was it was just highlights. But from what we saw, I mean, he is just James Wiseman is just so physically gifted. It's the reason why he was the number two pick in the draft. Uh, he physically is operating at a different level than Marquise Chris and Kevon Looney. If he can just tap into that, if he can maximize that. There's no question that he is not only the starting center on this team, but he's a potential franchise center. Um, the, the 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 question to me right now is just like, how long is it going to take for him to get over this learning curve? Because this guy has not played competitive basketball in over a year. He's a rookie in the NBA. That's already a natural learning curve. Then he misses some really important practice time in, in training camp. I will give him credit. It sounded like he really approached his time away from the team because of the coronavirus. Well, he, he watched film. He seems to already have a decent grasp of the playbook. So I think that helps his chances. But, you know, it's going to be a while before he's not out of position defensively. It's going to be a while before he knows the whole playbook. Yeah, I, I do. I start to wonder if they need a stopgap there, you know, because. What do you mean? 
like Kavan is good at what he's good at, but he's not a defensive stopper, right? Like he's good at switching and and like, he's a good team defender. Man, the Rockets are the best thing that ever happened to Kavan Looney. Oh yeah, and 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 Marquise Chris is really good at what he's good at, but defensively he's he gives up some size there, and it's not his fault, but he does. And I do wonder, like, it would have been really nice to have Marcus Saul on this team. It would have been really nice to have a guy like Serge Ibaka on this team. Um, there's nobody out there right now as an available free agent. I, I, I get asked about Dwayne Dedman all the time. That, that's not quite what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I, I don't know how this team could swing a trade, but I wonder if before the deadline they have they they decide they may need to make a deal. You know, and like I'm just sort of throwing hypotheticals out. But would now having Kelly Oubre, despite him being on an expiring contract. Does that make Andrew Wiggins a little bit more expendable, right? And do you do you trade him or do you trade Ubre or do you make it? Do you move one of those guys just to even get a guy who can start at center for you for a couple of years? Well, James Wiseman really learns the ropes, you know. I, I a couple of years. I mean, if it takes a couple of years, that's 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 I, not good. I mean, I think centers took. I mean, Bam Adebayo took a couple of years, and he's one of the best fifteen. He was also a late first round pick. This is the number takes, two pick in the draft. I mean, I that matters, like in terms of expectation. You're right, and so I, I guess then the answer then would be Wiseman, and maybe the maybe the expectations need to be a little bit higher for him early on. I don't know. The, the demand might be there, is what I'm trying to say. Um. So the last item on our to do list, I think we're gonna have fun discussing this one. Make roster cuts. So just to to give the the listener. A little bit of context, and, and if you're not already aware, the Warriors basically have 14 guys locked into the 15-man roster. So they have one 15-man roster spot. Uh, they have the disabled player exception for, for $9.3 million that they can use, and it's looking like they're going to try to use that at the trade deadline or, or on the buyout market to add a, a quality rotation caliber player. Um so there, there is the temptation to enter this season with only fifteen, only fourteen guys on the fifteen-man roster, so that you have that open roster spot. You could also add someone now, and you know a lot of these guys don't don't their their contracts don't come guaranteed until February twenty-seventh. So you could add someone and then cut someone come late February, or uh, and then you also have the open two-way spot. It's looking like Nico Mannion is locked up that one. Two, two-way spot there's another spot open so um there's several guys in training camp that are vying for these spots there's also the rest of the world that's vying for them right i mean the warriors if they're not happy with the guys currently in training camp can go out and sign whoever is available so um where do you think the warriors stand when it comes to those spots well michael Mulder gets the 15th spot you think it's like locked up like i do 100 percent I do, and I understand what it's going to cost from luxury taxes and, and et cetera. But we're not talking about Kelly Oubre and luxury tax. It's yeah, you know. it's like four million dollars or something. And uh, Steve Kerr has been out here lobbying for Michael Mulder, calling him, and I quote, "a really, really, really good player." Really, like he had like three really. Yeah, it was a really, really, really good player, and and you don't just you don't just let a really, really, really good player go, in my experience, and so. Um, I've and Steve Kerr, if you can't tell, has had an imprint on what this roster is, it has looked like, and so uh, I, I think I think it's easy it's it's easiest that Michael Mulder 
is going to be the 15th guy on this roster. He's also the second best three-point shooter on this team with Klay Thompson being out. So that matters. Um, as far as what this... To me, what's interesting is this final two-way spot. And you would think it would be Juan Toscano Anderson, but I don't know that he or anybody else, Wesson, uh, any of these guys have made enough of a case to say, hey, you need to put me on a two-way. And and so I would not... And keep in mind, the two-way this year is even more important than in years past because the rules have been changed because of COVID and all, where guys are allowed to play at up to 50 of the the possible 72 games, where in the past it was only 45 out of possible 82. Right. And they're not counting practice days. They're not right. counting... Which is, is huge because the practice days, as you and I know, I remember I have this memory of you and I sitting Chicago. in Chicago. Yeah. yeah, and it was and Kai Bowman was sitting there when he was on a two way. Yeah, and, and he came out and just sat next to us and shot the shit with us for a little bit. Yeah, he just sat there and we were like, What are you doing? He's like, Well, I can't practice, so I just have to sit there and this is like and we just the three of us just sat there in the hallway of whatever yeah. university that they were playing U- at UIC UIC go that they were practicing on <laughs> go flames um, <laughs> and uh, yeah and he just it was so surreal right because this is yeah. the first year of the two way so that never happened before and so uh, and so this year they're, they'll be able to practice without without being docked a day so I think that's huge um, and practice as we know is very important and if you couldn't tell watch these two preseason games and you'll realize how important practice is. Um, so yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen. I, I, I think I, I would not be shocked if the Warriors went off the board to fill this final two-way spot, or if they just didn't fill it all together, maybe they don't feel a need to. You mentioned the disabled player exception thing though. Um, that might be the way to, to kind of find that stopgap center this year. And I've got some names in mind, but I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to go down that road because I feel like I'm, I'm going to this conversation off topic yeah but it's something worth monitoring and it michael Mulder's first couple months of the season are going to be really important if indeed he t- gets this 15th spot he's also going to be the easiest cut if the right player becomes available on the buyout market so he needs to make his mark in the first couple months of the season i will say that if we're if we're just talking about who's available in training camp i think wesson gets the two-way yeah um he has a pedigree. You know, he, he shot over 40% from three last season at Ohio State. Um, did really well at the Combine. Uh, a lot of mock drafts had him going late in the second round. So he just kind of fits the bill of someone who would make sense on the two-way. Um, I know there had been speculation that uh, Dwayne Sutton was, was had, a, had a promise as a two-way. That's that's not the case. He, he was mainly just a training camp guy. Um had an outside shot, but I, I don't think he's going to get it. I think Wesson makes sense. Um, and I also think it makes sense to give the two-way to someone that you've seen in training camp you have a rapport with. Yeah, I think they invited Wesson hoping that he would show them enough to give it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't really shown much yet, but maybe, he he took a th- maybe he's shown thing in, things in practice. Yeah. When you're talking about guys like this, practice really matters. So. Yeah. Yeah, I hope he makes the team just so that he and I can start a podcast called Wesson Wesson. Ooh. I like that. Sounds like a, a great law firm. Uh, <laughs> That's for my last name. <laughs> uh, 
Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. We ran long tonight, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was partly just because we're a little intoxicated, and also we're in Sacramento. <laughs> what else are you going to do? But, yeah, let's let's do this again sometime. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast. Always appreciate his Warriors insight. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 